When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the Sanderson, the Bobby Orr! For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like Eddie Shore. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah. He's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Hey, Scott! Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm a damn dog! It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 71 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian D. Felice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin, who's going to kindly tell us what episode this is. Uh, this is episode 71, but actually... I, I hate to do this. I actually have to go, guys. Um, the the Bruins just called me and said I'm playing left wing tomorrow. So, <laughs> so I think what he was looking for was it's episode Taylor Hall. I you think that's what idiot. he was looking for, Scott. But yeah, Taylor Hall, uh, Mark Savard. What number will you be when you get Taylor? Uh, Taylor Hall, apparently the only left wing on the Bruins roster. For this <laughs> yeah. week, so. Scott, what number are you going to wear when you when you get there? Uh, Ninety nine. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Don't think you can do that. All right. Well, um, in the meantime, we'll we'll discuss the last week of uh, Boston Bruins affairs. Um, since the last episode, they've gone two and one. They beat Buffalo. Um, I think it was like five five nothing or whatever it was. Um, lost on Black Friday to the Rangers. Um, really strong first period. Probably the best first period of the season uh, up until the last five seconds, and then you know two two going to the third. They just found a way to lose. And then um, more recently, they. They defeated the Vancouver Canucks in uh, come-from-behind fashion um, at TD Garden. But before we jump into those games, um, Bridget and Scott, some news has broken. Uh, the last few hours, um, Brad Marchand was suspended three games for slew-footing um, Oliver Ekman-Larsen. But I think what we want to start is probably Jake DeBrusque, right? Yeah, the incredibly, Marchand gets suspended and then quickly gets one-upped with uh, multiple multiple reports now on Monday evening that Jake DeBrus- Jake DeBrusque has requested a trade, and that the Bruins are working to accommodate that request. Um, I don't think this is super shocking, but I, clearly things reached ahead came to a head over the weekend. Um, DeBrusque was a healthy scratch for Sunday's game. It is obviously not something. The Bruins were hoping to have to resort to, or, you know, I guess you could say they didn't have to resort to it, but it's not a tactic the Bruins wanted to use this early in the season. DeBrusque was healthy scratched three times last year, including once in the second round of the playoffs. Um, there was all the talk about finding common ground in the offseason. Cassidy and DeBrusque did have a sit-down after the season. Um, everything everyone said publicly was positive and you know DeBrusque talked about getting having a fresh start he had 
basically thrown last season in the trash. He was moving on. And there were a lot of genuine positive vibes going into the season. Um, DeBrusque had a very good preseason. Seemed to be going into the regular season with some momentum. And got off to a pretty good start through at least the first handful of games, I'd say. Um, And then things have kind of started to level off and plateau and you're starting to see you started to see some of the issues that have creeped into his game in the past which is inconsistency uh it's not doing enough away from the puck when he's not scoring um and obviously cassie felt like things had gotten to a point where he needed to send a message and he did that by making both debrusque and eric Halla a healthy scratch for sunday's game and it seems like uh, it seems like DeBrusque has no interest in going through all this again. Um, so the reports are from Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman, TSN's Ryan Rochelle, Uh and Ryan Rochelle actually talked to DeBrusque's agent, who confirmed that DeBrusque has requested a trade. So it seems like that has all kind of happened over the weekend, uh, and it is now out there in the public on Monday. And now we see where this goes. I will add that the reports say there's nothing imminent. Obviously, you know, it's kind of a time of the year where you don't see a lot of trades. Like, teams are still sort of figuring out what they are. But I imagine there'll be some interest in DeBrusque. Like, you know, a player who I think will still have some appeal to teams. But we'll see how long this takes to sort out. And we'll see if DeBrusque continues to play as of Monday evening. We don't know that we don't know if he's gonna you know he'll be with the team but we don't know if he's gonna be playing or what's gonna happen there but um yeah obviously a very interesting situation as things have uh finally boiled over and 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 hit really a breaking point in this relationship and really it's been a long time coming i mean debrusque obviously wasn't happy last season i assume that there were conversations with the organization last year before the trade deadline that he may not be happy playing in boston and what were the options that they could get for him um at the trade deadline obviously they didn't make a move maybe because there just wasn't a good enough offer but i mean he has played a little bit better this year does that change what teams are going to want to give for him um do you think that I mean, it changes the Bruins' approach because something we were talking about before we started recording was that they're not the Bruins aren't in, really in the position to trade for a pick right now. It would make more sense for them to do a one-for-one one trade. Makes it a little bit difficult for them to try to figure out, you know, where they can find the best value. Yeah, and the other thing too is we've come a long way since. You know, we saw Louis DeBrus crying in the stands for Jake's first goals of Bruin. A lot's happened since then, and not not a lot of good, really. Uh, but what jumped out to me is that, you know, Bruce Cassidy said after um, the Rangers game, you know, that DeBrusque, uh, he didn't like DeBrusque's effort getting back on what was eventually the game-winning goal. And I went back and I watched the play, and Jake DeBrusque was no Patrice Bergeron by any means on it, but uh, he was... He was the furthest in the Bruins' offensive zone, yet was also the first one back in the defensive zone. Now, like I said, it wasn't he. He didn't end up helping uh, the Bruins prevent a goal in that play, but I saw DeBrus getting back, and his line mates were behind him. So for Cassidy to pick out that play in particular, 
you know, I, I was like, all right, this, these, these two just really don't get along. And, um, you know, obviously, I think I think Cassidy's been justified in his disappointment in DeBrusque for the last couple of years. Um, I'm with Bridget. I, I think he's played a little bit better this year as far as effort goes. Not not good enough for my liking, but, but a little enough, bit better. enough to increase like interest or uh, or potentially think, like in- increase his value. I think I think his value has been all along um, since he's been struggling. Um, that you know he he'll, he'll be a re- he'll, he'll be a um, a reclamation project for somebody. I don't think that's changed. I think whether it was before the season, right now, or at the deadline. But I guess like would more teams be looking for to like pick up the phone based off of his play this year? Based off of you know comparing his performance last year to this year. I feel like it would be this. I feel like it would be generally the same suitors that would be interested in this past off season. I think they'd. I don't know if a team out there has looked at DeBrusque's effort this year and said, well, we weren't interested in the offseason, but we are now um, because he's working a little bit harder than last year. I think it'd be the same few teams willing to take a chance. What pisses me off is, like, you know, again, you knew this was a bad relationship. Um, the chances of it turning around, I thought, were slim. So could you have gotten more for him in the offseason? Because now, while I feel like the suitors might be the same, Where's the leverage? It's not with the Bruins. Mm. You got a player who's wanting out. So from a business perspective, now the Bruins' hands are kind of tied. It's like, well, we either have to keep this player who doesn't want to be here, or to get rid of him, we may have to take a little bit less than what we were hoping to get from somebody. And that's what annoys me about this whole situation. And when and when Cassie talks to the media after the games, or, or you know when he talks about making these decisions to scratch Jake DeBrusque, He's really not doing any favors for the Bruins bargaining because he's coming out and he's telling you exactly what the issues are here with Jake. I mean, he's he's come out, he's talked about effort, he's mentioned that's why he's been scratched. And just uh, before this scratch, he said, uh, when the production's not here, you you don't get the second effort from him and we're starting to see a drop off this season. So he, he hasn't been saying many things that would entice people he's not like he doesn't do this but we like this it's always kind of that negativity um it seems when he's talking about jake so that doesn't help their case either in their leverage yeah and i look at this and i think because part of me kind of wonders like have the Bruins wanted been you know had the idea that they wanted to trade DeBrusk all along going to this year and they hoped he'd bounce back enough to lift his value, but then I think well they didn't bring in any obvious replacement for him like he got penciled in as third line left wing pretty early in the off season and unless you think that no check I guess moving up or maybe like Frederick but like there's no obvious third liner that is here where it's like, oh, that's the guy who moves into DeBrusque's spot. I mean, they healthy scratched DeBrusque and Hall on Sunday and had two fourth lines out there. Like, you know, and there were some positives in that group, but, like, let's be honest about what those two lines were. Those were two fourth lines. They didn't have a third line. <laughs> John, so, I saw John Anderson tweeted, uh, if you have two fourth lines, do you <laughs> really have a line? Like, do you really have one? Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I mean, Scott, where you were going with that was kind of, um, you know, the Bruins. I, I do think the Bruins were hoping what you said that at the very least he would he would raise his, his stock value. Um, so you know, I, I no, no nobody's won in this situation. It's just uh, it kind of reminds me like 
of what Taylor Hall was probably feeling in Buffalo. Like, obviously, Taylor Hall's ceiling is much higher than DeBrusque as a player overall, but Taylor Hall in Buffalo was just miserable. And you can tell when a player is miserable in a situation. It's not that he hates his teammates or hates the city. Um, usually, it's that he hates the coach. And, uh, you know, Cassidy and, and DeBrusque, they just do not see eye to eye. I, th- I think I think DeBrusque, I think Cassidy sees DeBrusque as, um, you know, a young veteran player who... Um, somewhere along the line became complacent and was unwilling to do what it took to get him to the NHL and then become successful in the NHL because when Jake DeBrus was scoring 25, 27 goals his first few years, um, a lot of those, none of those goals really were highlight reels. They weren't, they weren't shots from outside the tops of the circle. Maybe one or two I can, I can think of, but for the most part, he was scoring around the crease and going to the net. And that's how you're successful in this league, especially when you're not you know, the most gifted sniper in the world, like Kucherov or Pasternak or somebody like that. And I think that DeBrusque is one of these guys, I mean, um, Cassie's one of these coaches where, you know, if, if you're not bringing the effort, you aren't gonna, you, you're not going to be on his good side. It's that simple. And he's not afraid to call out players. And um, look, it's beyond repair for him in Boston. Now the question is, you know, who can they get for him? What can they get for him? Can it be an upgrade or is it going to be a downgrade? Like, are the Bruins going to... I can honest to God see a situation where the Bruins trade Jake DeBrus to Edmonton one for one for like Zach Cassian because Sweeney's like, oh, oh, we need size, you know, some grit, and um, and Edmonton's probably like, well, we want some speed, you know, somebody could put up thirty with uh, McDavid because like Edmonton's always looking for some depth scores, and anybody who plays on that team is going to upgrade their their potential offensively. So I just don't. Want, and by the way, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate a Zach Cassian on my team. I'm just saying not not in this scenario. And I just don't want the Bruins to settle. And unfortunately, the player hasn't played to his standards. He wants out. So I don't see a situation where the Bruins win a trade. Yeah, it's... You're right. Like, if you're, if you're making a one-for-one hockey trade, I, I certainly don't see how you get an upgrade. I think the best you could hope for is someone else's change of scenery guy or, like, just a, just another depth forward, which is kind of what I think... Cassian is it's like Cassian's you know I guess he's fine on your third line he'd be better as a fourth liner but like that's that's about it what I could see is you know this would be risky because you don't have a ton of depth on the blue line but do you package DeBrusque with a defenseman and that gets you some sort of upgrade up front or or maybe even upgrade on the blue line depending on what the Bruins decide to target the other thing I could see is that since it's so early in the season, you know, Bridget, you mentioned the Bruins not being in position to trade for a pick. Well, well what if, just that. What it... if they. Yeah, because they're in win now mode, obviously, or should be. But, um, you know, because it's early in the season, do you trade for a pick or a prospect or whatever asset you can get for DeBrusque, knowing that you're then going to be turning around and shopping? in the trade market over the next couple months. Wouldn't that delay when you would want to make that move? Like, if you want to trade for a pick and then use it to, you know, at the deadline as part of a deal, then wouldn't you still try to keep DeBrusque for as long as you could so that you're not missing that gap? You could. I mean, you can drag it out. Like, so, again, we, I I think DeBrusque will probably play while this is getting sorted out because... I don't know. Like, I mean, what else is again? Like, he's the one who wants out, which means he's got to show. Like, he's got to get teams interested in him. 
Um, so I would assume if the Bruins say, look, we still want you to play while we're doing this. And in the I next, the next three games, play. they're missing Marshawn on the left. So Yeah. So I would think he'll play through this. And, yeah, I mean, if the Bruins wanted to drag their feet a little and say, hey, you know, we're working on it, but, you know, no one's really biting. We're not getting that. Like, what, there are ways to drag your feet if you wanted to do that. Now, at some point, the player and agent catch on and, you know, that becomes like its own situation. So you can't. Like, you're not going to get away with that until March, you know, when the trade deadline is. So, but you can get away with it for a little while, I guess. Um, but yeah, it, it, the Bruins are certainly not negotiating from a position of leverage here because DeBrusque has not lifted his value all that much. Every team now knows that they, you know, not necessarily have to trade him, but like their hands are kind of tied. Like, clearly the player. Once out, it's out there now, it's in the public, so, you know, no one's gonna, like, like everyone knows what's going on, you're not gonna trick anyone into thinking that, oh, no, we really love DeBrusque, like, we don't have to trade him, it's like, well, it's out there now, so, yeah, you kinda do. Yeah, but not every player go leaves immediately when they are publicly, you know, requesting a trade or not wanting to be with a team. No, I mean, there's plenty of examples of that. You know, Tarasenko, Jack Eichel, I mean, the list goes on of players who have different situations where, you know, just because they say I want out, well, I mean, okay. I mean, the, the team has to sit there and say, okay, well, how can we maximize or optimize the deal? So, um, you know, I have a, I have, I have a, I have a trade, trade proposal option. You got one, Ooh, who you guys think? Uh, All right. Bo- Boston Bruins send uh, left winger Jake DeBrusque, uh, left shot defenseman uh, Jacob Saboral, and... Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, right winger uh, Zach Sedishin to... Patrick uh, Extraordinaire. To, uh, to, to Vancouver for uh, Brock Besser. Who says no besides Vancouver? <laughs> besides Vancouver, yeah. No, I, know, um, I know Brian but, says yes. But, I mean, all, all joking aside, though, like, I, I mean, you know, we, we shouldn't send uh, spend the whole episode on this, but I guess just to kind of close it up, like, you know, in a perfect world, like, are there any... Um, parallel um, reclamation projects out there that you can think of, Scott or Bridget, that, um, you know, might might go to Boston in this scenario? Or do you think it'd be more likely they'd try to package, like you said, somebody uh, with DeBrusque? Yeah, or, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess you monitor, like, players who may be on the trading block that, you know, like, because the Bruins just faced them, one name I can think of is JT Miller, whose name has surfaced in trade rumors recently as him, you know, wanting out of Vancouver and wanting to get to a winning situation, which by the way, I love JT Miller and think that'd be a terrific fit in Boston. Me too. Um, Obviously you're not trading DeBrusque straight up for him. No, that's not a one for one. You're throwing a lot more into that deal. Um, But like, could that, you know, could that be something like if the, so the Canucks are a rebuilding team, so maybe you don't have to send, someone else off your NHL roster. Maybe it could be DeBrusque a first and I don't know, you know, one of your prospect, like maybe not your top, like it's not going to be like sell, but maybe someone, you know, your third, fourth prospect, something like that. Like, I don't know, just spitballing, but like I could see something like that where the Bruins identify a player who, who's going to help them. Who's going to upgrade them for this season and DeBrusque is a piece of the package. Again, assuming that team values him, and it might, that might take 
DeBrusque playing through this and playing better to, you know, maybe like maybe that's how you motivate Jake DeBrusque is like, hey, you want out right now. We're not getting any nibbles. You don't have a ton of value. Go out there. I'm sure that'll really make him play better. <laughs> go 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 out there and show show your next team that they should right. be trading for you. Right. I mean, I could think of one reason why the timing sucks right now, and I could think of a good reason for the timing as well. The reason that the timing is is not so hot right now is because, you know, um, typically when you get to the trade deadline, you kind of know, um, you know, what teams are are buyers and sellers. Right now, it's so early in the season, you know, outside of a couple teams, perhaps, um, every other team still believes they can make the playoffs, you know, in, in one way, shape, or form if things go right. So you've, there's a lot of teams that probably, you know, don't want to really dabble in the, in the trade market right now. But on the flip side of that, the good news is, you know, if you are able to find a couple of suitors, you know, there aren't going to be 30 other teams also trying to trade because you're two months before the deadline or two, two and a half months before the deadline. So... If they could find the right piece, um, you know, and I, I feel like the Bruins, like, they don't even value their, their farm system. Like, I know that's kind of a, a blanket statement, but, like, I don't know why they even have a team in Providence. They, they never call up anybody of value. They never really develop a ton of players that come up to Boston, and yet you never really see people move much in trades from the minor, from the minor leagues um on, on the Bruins end. Well, because so, they, I mean... Well, because they have no value, because they, they suck at drafting, or, or I know. They, or, <laughs> or it's Danica and Swayman, and they're untouchable. Right. I mean, it's just, it's it's like, like for example, if the Bruins were a phenomenal team right now, and they were just clicking on all cylinders, cylinders offensively, I'd be like, all right, look, you can't touch anything. But when you're watching a team that, and I think the, a very telling stat was the one that was like the Bruins are like the 29th or 30th in the NHL at like five on five dangerous shots. Um, okay, so that tells me it's a team that's not really not really generating much five on five. So like, I don't know. Like, like I used to hear about you know uh, Jacob Blauko and that he was like a nice, speedy, like skilled winger. Like, how can we don't ever see him for a game or or like Oscar Steen for more than a game every 62 games that they play or. You know the, the kid Jesper Frodin that they brought in, like like doesn't like where is Providence's top scorers? Like how can we never see them? It's not, I'm not saying to see the next game. I'm just saying like you don't really see the Bruins utilizing their farm system very much with the Bruins. Like it just doesn't happen unless you're Anton Bleed, who just like comes up every ten games for for a couple. Um, so I guess like it, it with my my point in all this is if it takes trading packaging DeBrusque with a couple of minor leaguers or prospects. The fact of the matter is, most of the Bruins' prospects that they draft never even make it to the Bruins anyway. So just just do it. <laughs> like I don't give a shit. Except for Lysel. like you know, and I, I do want to see Sanika long term too. But like, I mean, if, if if it helps upgrade your team and it's not Lysel, I really don't want to move a first, Scott. Yeah, truthfully, I think they're going to have to get creative in order to try to make lemonade out of the situation because I don't think DeBrusque one off is going to. Really do it, so I, like, could, they're going to have to get creative with with that. Could like, but could 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 DeBrusque and like Lauko and Vakanine and get you like a third line, like a strong third liner from somebody or or a second? I don't know. Like, I mean, De, look, DeBrusque is twenty four, whatever he is. He's supposed to be a proven NHL player. He hasn't been the last year and a half, but like he's done it in the past. So he's not really as big of a risk as like a prospect. Like he's kind of you know definitely not a sure thing anymore. But yeah, they gotta they gotta get creative. I don't know. I don't, they're in a tough situation. They kind of they kind of done it to themselves because they could have traded him in the offseason. DeBrus could have been a better player for them, 
and Cassidy probably could have managed him better behind the bench, specifically, I think, this year. This may be semantics because we're in the situation we are now where he's already requested a trade, but to, and, and this ties into the whole third line as, as a whole, seeing a new look there. Do you think really he deserved to be healthy scratched? I mean, Howla did, but... They they take Howla and they take DeBrusque off the third line and they and they they change it up. Do you think that he really it really merited being scratched after his performance recently? Um, I don't know if it was one hundred percent necessary in the sense that I don't think DeBrusque has hit the lows this season that he did last year. That said, I'm not going to complain about him being healthy scratched because I don't think he was playing very well at all um but nobody really was outside of the top line anyway so i guess that comes back to like all right could you have just healthy scratched one person and that sends yeah could you have done sent some sort of message and i don't know maybe if debrusque sees his line mate healthy scratched uh, that ignites i who knows but well nothing okay but at the same time, I don't think DeBrusque was playing well enough that it's like, oh my god, why is he being scratched? Like, I I get why he was scratched. Yeah, but they go Felino, Frederick, Kuhlman. Would Felino, Frederick, DeBrusque have, like, would you have hated that line? It, it, it's, whatever they went with on on um, Sunday against the Canucks was simply, um, it was just message sending from Cassidy. He, he didn't, those, none of those combinations were... You know, what's going to make us win against Vancouver? None of them was going to be, what's our long-term look? It was simply like, DeBrusque, you're sitting, Hall, you're sitting. I don't care if my son's playing on, with Lino <laughs> and Kuhlman. But like, and Scott, or Scott. Yeah, um, or Scott. Well, it was know. a kick in the ass, right? But it was a kick in the ass out I, the door. It wasn't yeah. like it wasn't like setting a fire under him. He's going to come I, back and play better. He's I, like, no, I'm out. To answer your question, Bridget, I, I was definitely surprised that he was healthy scratched after this game in particular because of all the... You know hills for Cassidy to, to Cassidy to die on with with DeBrusque over the last few years. I I just felt like this was one of those games where like ah this was not the worst I've seen DeBrusque play in the last few years. Like in fact, in the, again to what Scott said, I agree with Scott. Like he hasn't played well. But if we're talking about the specific game that made him get scratched, it was the Rangers game, and he forces a turnover that leads to Craig Smith's goal first mm-hmm. of the game. And, you know, he had a bunch of good looks on the second power play unit, as did the rest of that unit. And then, you know, that was really it. But, like, you know, so if I'm DeBrusque, I'm, you know, I'm getting healthy scratched after this game. I'm thinking to myself, I mean, I, 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 helped, I helped score one of our only two goals. You know, we had some good looks in the power play. Okay, maybe, maybe I didn't, you know, break up the, you know, the three on t- the, the three two goal. But there were five of the guys, four of the guys with me on the ice, and that was the first forward back. I mean, you know, Cassidy just has it out for me. Um, so I was a little surprised after that, that Cassidy chose this game to send the message because the other guy he scratched should have been sitting last week. And I, I mentioned it before. Halla has fucking... I'm sorry, sorry, sorry for my... my <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Halla's been... Uh, I know it's a podcast. I try to keep it tight-lipped on this one. Halla's been terrible. He has been so bad... And the biggest reason I'm, I'm I'm picking on him, and I know he's got those 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 baby blue eyes, but it doesn't matter because those aren't helping him. You know, against the Rangers, the the one thing that pisses me off the most is not not understanding a new, understanding a new system. It's not you know not scoring on a breakaway. It's when you don't bring the effort. And 
The Bruins go out there. They play the best period of their season so far, I believe, against the Rangers. And with five seconds left, you never give up a goal in the first or last minute of a period. With five seconds left, the Rangers score because Eric Halla just decides to not move his feet until he decides to just curl away from the, the, his, his, his check. Directly is the reason that the Rangers scored against the Bruins. And then, later on in the game, he did the same thing. And the other end of the ice on the um, when the Rangers tied it two two, it's he's he's the center and he's up by the blue line, and he's skating towards the blue line and looks back and sees the goal, and acts surprised. It's like, what are you doing? That's not you. You're taught that from seven years old when you, when you get off the milk crates. Center's down low helping the defense, and I don't care what NHL system Cassidy has him running in their D zone. It, it's pretty cut and dry. So Halla, who has been um, invisible all year offensively, you know, he deserved to sit because he wasn't bringing the effort and he was hurting his team. He's, I think, the biggest reason they lost that game. Conversely, you look at DeBrusque, his game wasn't nearly as bad as Halla. He wasn't even the worst forward out there besides Halla, and he gets and he gets scratched. So I understand DeBrusque feeling like he's being singled out. Um, and he probably is a little bit, but it's, 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 it's a long time coming between these two, though. Yeah. To, to your point on Halla, like that... So I think, so after the game, Cassidy said, like, God, there were just, like, a lot of rotations, and we got thrown off, but it's, and the Bruins do, at times, in the defensive zone, the center ends up rotating out high. Like, that does happen sometimes. But in this case, it was, like, so Hollis' options were to go with Strom, who's standing right in front of the net, in grade-A goal-scoring opportunity, or peel back to the point... Which is like, all right, if those are your options, take away the guy who is in front of the net. Like, I don't care what the, what in practice the rotation tells you to do. If there's a guy open in front of the net and another guy open at the point, cover the guy in front of the net. And then if they get it back to the point and the defenseman ends up doing something, you live with that. Okay, someone missed an assignment and the defenseman got an open shot from the high slot. But, like, yeah, that was just absolutely baffling to watch him, like, see Strom right there in front of him and turn the other way. Like, that goes against every instinct you should have as as a player in your own zone. He oh. also had the puck, sorry, Bridget, he also had the puck on the blue line right before that and just lo- literally centimeters away from clearing the puck and just lost the puck battle and the puck goes back down to the corner and then he ended up losing Strom. Well, he's been playing fourth line minutes, right? Like, we knew the scratch was coming because he's been playing, you know, not, sometimes he's only played nine minutes a game. I think... Uh, two weeks ago against Montreal, played nine minutes. Uh, against the Rangers, he played eleven minutes. Those are those are fourth line minutes. Like there are some guys on the fourth line that have been getting more minutes than him. So it was it was clear that it was coming. And Scott gave grades uh, after game ten, mm-hmm. and Hollow was a D. Do you he change? Was a D, yeah. Do you change that? Uh, can I go F? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, can, I guess I can change it. Well, it- Look, can you guys can you guys answer a question for me? I'm just curious about something. Why, why don't the Bruins listen to me? Why don't they ever listen to me? I said it two weeks and ago. And Team USA about the jerseys. You're <laughs> saving that for sure. I, I was enjoying my day until you said that, and I just remembered that. Um, we'll get to that later. Those. Anyway, um, can they listen to you? N- no, no, they didn't. I DM'd them many a times, and. You know, I'm right about that too because the whole world, not even 
those jerseys are so bad. <laughs> I did, that, I did that, it. That Sorry, even, guys. Even, even the, uh, the, the, the fans of the other countries are, are pissed off at Team USA. If anyone listening, you can just fast forward 45 minutes and... Then that should be right about when we're back to the Bruins. Yeah, no, I'm gonna get back to him right now. We'll see. We'll get back to the fashion segment later. But I, I, I said I said it last week or whatever. It's like Holland needs to sit down. So what does he do? Ah, keep him in the lineup. Why? Because Donnie spent you know whatever it was four million on him in the offseason. We we got a plan because we have to give him a chance. Okay. Well, he's, he's making you guys lose games. The other thing too that I that they just don't listen to me on is 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 the line combinations. Look look, not for nothing. I understand that the top line is uh, is their best line by far, and is most of their offense. I get that, but it shouldn't be that way. Like, and by the way, this perfection line, in my opinion, has not been perfect for quite some time. I I, I think they're they're a very good line, but they haven't been a great line. I'd say, you know, all season really. Um, I mean, I, I'd say they they've still been great. They just haven't been. The best in the NHL, which is what they've been in the past. Yeah, you've been able to argue in past seasons. I mean, like this yeah. line can go. The, you can put this line up against, you know, the best of the best in the NHL, and they're yeah. they're they're in that conversation. Yeah, but the, they're they, not they, this they've year. They've had a couple games where they've gotten outplayed by other top lines this year. And okay, well, that's, that's not that's not something you've seen very much in the past. Yeah, look, I, I just I just don't think they've been as dynamic, and I think that, like, you know. It's it's not so much an indictment on them. It's more so about the rest of the lineup. And I, I've said it till I'm blue in the face. I'm going to continue to say it because they just don't do it. And it's not an indictment on Marshawn because Marshawn has no, time and time again lifted the team, put them on his back. Scott this morning posted an article about that. Um, you know, Cassie commenting on that. Uh, Allmark commenting on um, all the good things about Marshawn. But then that all gets thrown, on, like pushed that under the rug because we have so much else going on and and just to kind of transition into that Marshawn conversation he's a guy that you depend on to to lift you last game against Vancouver it was with hits he started with hits well he may have gotten a little bit carried away um with his physicality when he slew footed um Oliver Ekman Larson and now the Bruins find themselves for three games including a game against Tampa Bay without that one guy that you that you can lean on when when you need a little bit of energy so there you go. It takes a three-game suspension from Marshan for Cassidy to split up that top line, and then and, and then uh, you know maybe maybe we'll see some some other looks. And again, I want to split them up for balance. But yes, Marshan out for three games. Now they're really screwed. I think. Yeah, you're already struggling to find enough offense, and you're already relying on Marshan way too much. And now you don't have him for three games. So look, if ever there if ever there was a time for other guys to step up, like. Hello, Taylor Hall, who has one point in the last five games. Time for you to be a stud. And he might be the one who gets moved up to that line now. So maybe Taylor Hall gets a few games with Bergeron and Pasternak. All right. Like, step. You don't have to be exactly Brad Marchand, but you got to produce. So, you know, other guys behind them, it's. Cassidy has talked about, you know, going with these quote unquote effort guys, is what he called them over the weekend. And like, all right, that's fine. But now it's time for effort to translate to goals. Like, someone's got to. Maybe it's Halla and or DeBrus going back into lineup. Someone's got to score. Like, you now have three games without your top scorer, without the guy who drives the most offense for you. So, um, I personally think uh, they're gonna struggle, and I don't think this is gonna be a very good week. But we'll see. Like, you're gonna learn a lot about a lot of guys because. 
it's going to be a team effort. And if you're any of those other 10 forwards in the lineup who aren't Bergeron or Pasternak, like, yeah, Bergeron and Pasternak need to step up and do their part. But you expect, at least to some extent, that they will. And, and Pasternak has been so close. I mean, he's hitting post after post, and yeah. it's just like one of these is going to go. Yeah. So, But it's going to be on those other guys to, you know, you can't... Don't sit there and think, well, you know, Bergeron and Pasternak and, and maybe Hall, you know, they're going to carry us. No, like, you've got to step up. Whoever, whoever you are, Felino, Smith, Coyle, like, everyone's got to step up if they're going to have a chance to get... I don't know, let's say, take. can you get two out of three this week without Marshand? You, well, so the, you, the you teams have two are, winnable games. Yeah, You're Detroit, Detroit and Nashville. Nashville. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, it's... Um, so, is this the lineup, then? Hall moves to the top line uh, on the left with Bergeron and Pasenak. Second line, you put DeBrusque in instead of Hall on DeBrusque, Coyle, Smith. Or maybe Foligno, Coyle, Fo- Smith. Yeah, you could do that, too. Um, and then, then what do you do with the third line? DeBrus goes back know. right right side. Listen, I'm not Fred- a miracle worker. Like, I mean, what do you, you want from me? I feel like the de- moving DeBrus, as weird as it is to say, after he requested a trade to the second line, could be what they do. Um, well, that's that, that's they ha- they have to do something because th- this is the roster that uh, that they have, and you know th- this is why going into the season. Um, I was adamant that this team needed to add as much as they could on the roster because this was not a cup roster. A lot of people thought that it was, and that you know, as long as they had a sure sure thing, one uh, a goalie, they'd be fine. Okay, well, you lose Marshan for one game, and now we're talking about you know having um, two okay lines and then two lines for the, from the AHL essentially. Um, and that's not really fair to Lazar and Nosek, but again, like fourth liners for the most part are a dime a dozen, and they've been. I think they've been okay. They've been Nosek's been good uh, as well. Um, they struggled a bit last game, though, and Lazar got benched for, for a few shifts. Mm-hmm. Well, look, it, yeah, and, you know, Allmark... Um, yeah, they were double-shifting Pasta. Yeah, Pasta was getting shifts with... Yeah, was it Noshek? Or I think, no, I think it was a third no, line, yeah, and then they... It was they, a Frederick, and then they moved, yeah. I mean, it's a mess. Their lines are a mess. Like, their, 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 bottoms, their bottom two lines are... They literally change every game. And your top two lines, if you want to call your your second line a your second line, um, it's it's like I don't know. This this is what I was saying earlier about the top line. Like I think the top line is really really good. Obviously, like like they're great. But this year, the last handful of seasons, they've 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 been the best line in hockey, if not the second best line. Right now, I'd I, I'd say there's probably you know at least four or five other teams that have a better line going than them right now. Um, I know how much this line can click when they're on their game, and despite their production this year, and thank God for that because this team would be in the cellar if it wasn't for them. I just think that this team needs to balance out the lines, and like if we're talking the next couple games, what Scott said is probably accurate, right? I mean, probably Hall, Bergeron, and, and Pasternak. Although Hall's probably gonna go out there and slew foot some guys because he's been watching Marsh and looks up to him now. <laughs> um, but then uh, the second line, yeah, probably Felino, DeBrusque, and, and, and Coyle. I mean, we haven't even talked about the defense today, but this 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 forward grouping is just like it's tough sledding. And uh, th- this team, I have no idea what's going to happen with this team. Like, I I genuinely don't. I, I'm not very optimistic about them. I don't think they've been playing great hockey. And for some reason, can you explain to me, Scott, why they suck so bad in second periods? It's baffling. 
Yeah. I, got... I don't get it. It's like they... Yeah, they've had good first periods. They get to the break, and then... I don't know. Like, are they conserving energy for the third? Like, I, I have no explanation for it. But yeah, it's definitely been a problem this year where they, for whatever reason, let up coming out of that first intermission. I mean, think think about their last few games at home. You get spanked by Calgary 5-0 in what was their worst game of the season. And one of their worst games at home I can remember in recent memory. And then you have an absolute brutal third period against, uh, against the Rangers on Black Friday. You lose that game. Mm-hmm. Okay? So now you have Vancouver who has... Honestly, right now, I'd say Vancouver probably has more talent on their roster than the Bruins. But, I mean, I mean, I, it, it's debatable. I, I, I like their talent on the back end a little bit better than the Bruins. And up front, I thought, I don't know, whatever, it doesn't really matter. But um, no matter how much talent Vancouver has, they've been terrible as a team this year. You know, JT Miller was asked about if people were buying in last week, and he said something along the lines of, I don't know. Right? So, like, and, and we're 15 games into the year, 20 games in, so... That's the team you're playing after your two most recent upsets at home, or upsetting games at home. And Vancouver skates circles around you in the second period last night. Like, circles around you. And they weren't even playing great, but the Bruins just... The puck wasn't even in Vancouver's end. Thank God the Bruins got a power play in the third period to tie the game, and then the game was down in Vancouver's end. But, you know, Vancouver's not a very good team. And I, I'm, I'm watching I'm watching the Bruins. I've been, to, I've been to three games in person this year, not up top. Not up top like you guys, but I've been I've been to three games in person, and every single game, and they're two and one in those games, and then the, even in the two games they won, the one was against Florida in the shootout, one was last night against Vancouver, and the other one was the loss to Edmonton. Even in games they win, like they're not they're not controlling play. They don't look very sharp. They don't look very tough to play against. Like they're not very inf- like, and I'm I'm watching. I'm like, well, I can I, I can't even imagine watching like you know like the Avalanche coming to Boston right now and play this team. Or like a, like a really like a really or like Tampa Bay or or Washington like I just I, I don't see this Bruins team competing with outplaying the, the the mediocre teams, let alone the star teams. Yeah. Well, to to your point, like so the Bruins had kind of been on this trend for a few weeks, where it's like they take care of business against the bad teams, right? Whether it's Montreal, New Jersey, Buffalo, like. Have some convincing wins in there, a few five two wins, and then they lose convincingly to good teams: Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary. Um, and so then you get to this week. All right, so you beat you beat the Sabers going into Thanksgiving. Then you come out of against the Rangers, who I think are a good team, but not an elite team. They're not Tampa, Toronto, Edmonton, Calgary, but they're a good team. So I wanted to see. I was interested to see. Okay, how do the Bruins? They clearly haven't matched up very well against the elites. How do they do against a good team that's like a notch below that? And they lose five to two, and they get completely outplayed in the third period. Well, yeah, they've lost. So they lost the Rangers game. They gave up five goals in the Rangers game. They gave up five goals in the Oilers game, and they gave up five goals in the Toronto game. So they're giving up like a lot of offense. Yeah, to to the top teams, and so it's like okay, well, so I guess you can't even beat. You know, I don't call the Rangers the fourth, fifth, sixth best team in the East. I don't know. But okay, so apparently you can't even compete with that team right now. Then you get to Vancouver, who's one of those teams you should take care of business. That should be another, you know, Buffalo, Montreal, New Jersey convincing win. And you need Brad Marchand to completely take over the game in the third period in order to pull it out. And you need so, a goal p- called back for Garland. Yeah. Offer offside. 
Yeah, true. So so that's it's like, true. So it's like okay. So now, so now you you have an you know a bad loss to the Rangers and barely squeaked by the Canucks. Now you're going into a week where you're not going to have Marshand for the next three games. And oh, by the way, you're probably trading Debra, or you know now you have this hanging over your head. Like it's not a good situation. And and think you, about where they are in the conference right now. So technically, I know they're behind in the number of games, and it's still stupid. And we've already had the conversation about the the schedule being all messed up. But they're behind the Red Wings, who they play tomorrow. Um, well, yeah, in total points. In total I, points, which is not points it, percentage right now. They're eighth in the in the Eastern Conference. But so then you're also so you're seeing two teams that are, are ahead of you um, in the Atlantic. You're seeing the Red Wings and the Lightning. So you got two divisional games coming up that you're going to be missing, Marshawn. Look, we, this we could fast forward to February right now, or, or, or you know, whatever, whenever the trade deadline is. I think I don't think Toronto, Florida, or Tampa is going anywhere in the top three. I don't think Washington, um, Carolina, whatever. End of the day, I think it's going to be four and four. So if you're the Bruins, you're circling, you know, the Islanders. You're circling the Penguins. You're circling the Rangers. You know, um, who knows? Maybe the Red Wings. Whatever. But they're going to be battling for for for, for yeah. one of the two wild card spots. Columbus is there right now. I can't, I can't imagine them staying there, but. They're there now. I think they're yeah. seventh on points percentage. So, but look, if this were a Blue Jackets podcast, I'd be looking at this Bruins roster, saying, "I don't know if the Bruins are going to be there because the Bruins, the Bruins forward roster sucks." It, honestly, outside of your top guys and the potential of Taylor Hall, and you know, I think you know, I think Craig Smith is a good player. I think Coyle's played well this year, all things considered. But look, you're talking, you're talking, you're talking about half your your forward core. That's, I mean, like. The biggest reason that, and by the way, when they're losing to Edmonton and Calgary and the Rangers, these top teams, or I know the Rangers aren't a top team, but they're losing at home, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, they're losing at home. And a lot of them were convincing. Now, the biggest reason they're losing to these teams is because, well, when Martian, Pasternak, and Bergeron hop off the ice, and Taylor Hall and Coyle hop off the ice, and the other team's third line goes over the boards, like, you are losing the the depth battle against these better teams because you don't have anything. Because first of all, if 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 you're talking about a top team, chances are their top line's pretty good too, right? Their top lines are pretty good, and they're probably for the most part negating your top line and vice versa. But when the other team has, you know, a third and fourth line coming with the boards that can pressure, you know, uh, Grizzlick and Zaboral or or Clifton or whomever, like they just don't match up. Is, is they don't match up with the top teams because they don't have the depth, and that's why when they go late into games, they end up folding because they don't have that depth. Well, and by the way, your second line has also had s- several games now where they've gotten matchups against the other team's bottom six, and they haven't been able to really take advantage. Like I thought, Sunday was a good example of this, where you know the Bruins' second line was getting what should have been favorable matchups. And they were getting plenty of possession, and they weren't really giving up chances, but they just weren't doing anything with that possession. Like, they'd have the puck, and they were just staying on the outside, and there weren't dangerous chances being created. And it's like, you you need more of that push from them to be like, oh, okay, we're out against the other team's third or fourth line, like, time to eat, you know, like, <laughs> let's let's feast. And too many games, you're not seeing that, like... 
Taylor Hall alone should be able to take advantage of just about any team's third or fourth line. And, you know, I'm a huge Taylor Hall fan, and I think he'll be fine. But, like, he's not doing that right now. Like, he's getting he's getting contained and kind of getting kept to the outside by players that he really should be taking advantage of. Yeah. Um, uh. The one good chance I can remember for Coyle and Hall was on the power play. Like, Coyle had a nice odd-angle chance on the power play, but yeah, that was the most noteworthy from I mean, the second line that game against Vancouver. Look, as, individ- as an individual, I think Charlie Coyle has had a pretty good year considering the fact that he, he had off-season surgery and you know he's being asked to play a role he's probably not suited for, at least consistently. Um, but, you know, we're, what, 17 games into the Bruins season now, and, you know, Coyle and Hall have not even connected on a, on a goal. You know, where where one passes to to the other and, and, and on a nice play, it just hasn't happened. Um, not on the power play, not on a five on a five. They both put on the ice for goals together, but not really connecting together on the on those goals. And that's that that's not good. Like <laughs> that, that's not that's not having chemistry. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Um, and it's it just it just highlights. Um, Maybe this is why Hall wasn't connecting well in Buffalo because he didn't really. I don't know if he was playing with Eichel. Eichel did get hurt anyway. He was at the start of the year. Yeah, and they, they weren't really clicking, and then Eichel got hurt, and it was but, all downhill. I, I I think it just goes to show, and I know that David Krejci was oftentimes a regular season passenger sometimes, but his numbers were always ended up being there at the end of the day. I think I think I think I think all Bruins fans are just, you know, having that that extra appreciation. For Krejci's playmaking ability, he just he just had it. And it, it, sometimes it was subtle. Sometimes it was just a subtle bank pass off the boards into the transition. Other times it was just you know, it didn't matter. He just he he just thought the game at a different level. And, and he he got the best out of Hall. Yeah, and certainly with the Bruins. And I and I think that you know if if, if Krejci was still on the team, I think you'd be seeing a much better Taylor Hall. Now some of that's on Taylor Hall. Some of it's on not having, and it doesn't have to be David Krejci, but it has to be somebody with that caliber of playmaking. Charlie Coyle is a good player, but he's not an eighty-two game year a year playmaker. He's just not. And mo- most teams in the NHL, specifically playoff teams and contenders for sure, their top two centers are every game playmakers. And well, so great. So yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sitting here like moping because you're right. Like. There's not another Krejci that that was his that was his main contribution to the team was just that that's just what he did consistently he could set up uh, plays with the, with the best and uh, so they really miss him and something that Scott was pl- or thinking about writing about this week but he didn't end up because like we said there's so many other storylines was um, and I think this was more if the Bruins had lost to Vancouver and Allmark had been a little bit leaky in the first two periods he wasn't looking um he w- just wasn't looking 100 percent. well he tripped over the goal line he did the first 10 tri- seconds I, of the game. I asked him about that and he laughed at me but um okay. uh scott was considering writing a column about a column about uh missing tuca and is he like some something they they need now at this point scott if you want to talk about what you're thinking yeah i think it's still now look Omark also uh, makes two breakaway saves, including one in the third period on a shorthanded chance that would have made it 3-1 Canucks. So, 
Yeah, he gave he gave up two leaky goals. So he this, also saved what should have been two goals. So exactly, like, exactly. And I guess this is, that, that all kind of washes out in the end. And this is why Scott did not write this column. But yeah. but like I, I still think it could definitely be relevant. Like I can definitely see Rask being more of a necessity than a luxury for this team because. In general, their goaltending has still been subpar this season, and but I wouldn't say it's the reason that they are where they are, though. No, no, no. I, it's part of the reason. Uh, it's not the biggest reason, but with the team that you have, where you have these holes elsewhere, and you don't have the complete roster, you're going to need goaltending that can lift you up. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not sure that they have that right now. Now, look, maybe. Elmark and or Swayman can get to that point. Maybe, they, you know, one of them gets going and catches fire and, and does start playing like that goalie. But I don't think they've gotten that yet. Um, and I could absolutely see... Look, Rask is in their facility, so they're seeing him in a way that no other team is seeing him right now. So they're going to know, okay, does he look good? Like, does he look like... Vintage Tugaras, does he look like someone who's going to step in and be a top goalie this season? Or does he look slow and does he look like he hasn't really fully recovered from his hip? And eh, you know what? Maybe we're not getting much there. And he could be back to full health in the next month. Yeah. So Rask told. Uh, I'm getting everything. Oh, it was uh, Sean McDonough on the Black Friday. Yes, broadcast. it was. Um, said he had talked to Rask the day before, and Rask told him he thought he'd be ready to play by early January. So, yeah, so you're talking about... Prob- if that's the case, like you're probably bringing in Rask, signed to a deal around Christmas, and then he's getting a couple weeks of practice in, or maybe... Merry, Merry Christmas, Bruins fans. Maybe even Merry a, Christmas. Maybe even like some sort of rehab assignment in, in Providence or something, but you're probably bringing, in, bringing him in... You know, I would think a couple weeks before you actually intend to get him into a game. Um, so, yeah, so that decision could be coming within a month. And if the Bruins aren't getting better goaltending than they've gotten so far, I kind of think it's a no-brainer, honestly. Like, I, at that point, you're you're looking for an upgrade at that position along with other positions but that becomes the easiest one to address if you like what you're seeing and cheap from two grass. It's not. It's not going to cost you a fortune. Yeah. Look, I, I um, I would welcome him back. I would. This well, is a big moment for Brian. No, it's really not. <laughs> I, I've, I've always, uh, I've always, I've always acknowledged how great of a goalie he is. But I've also acknowledged that there were some key games where he he may not have been at his best, but the team wasn't their best around him either. It doesn't have to be black and white, like you know, it's what it is. But he's there's no doubt. Yes, he does, Brian. This is this is sports sports radio, sports media. <sighs> I guess, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I guess it is one or the other. But anyway, um, no, I would welcome him back. So the question is though, um, you know, who's the odd man out? Is it Swayman? It has to or, be. Is it Swayman because yeah, you, you, you have Allmark's five million dollars sitting on the yeah. bench, even though Allmark's hasn't been the better of the two goalies this year? Yeah. Oh, what a yeah. crazy situation this has turned out to be. That's where it gets tough. And I think if both goalies are playing at the level they're playing at now, you you can sell everyone involved on, okay, Swayman's going out to Providence, he's going to play regularly there, whatever. Where, where it really gets interesting is, what if Swayman 
starts playing well over this next month and Omar kind of stays where he is now or even struggles more, like, then, yes, you want Rask back because one of your goalies is struggling, but then what, you're going to send the better of the two goalies you already had down to Providence? Like, because then at that point, aren't you, like, kind of counting on Rask to play better, better two-thirds than swimming. of your games or something? Yeah. Like, you know, if Linus Allmark isn't playing well... You are very limited in what you can do with him. Like you can't, you can't send him down. You probably can't trade him this early in his contract, so he has to be there. And if his, you know, if he's struggling, then you're looking at Rask as like your clear number one. And I guess you'd be counting on him to play more than a fifty-fifty split, or maybe you keep three goalies around, which isn't ideal to you know kind of allocate your roster spots in that way. But it has been done. Carolina rode with three goalies for a significant portion of last season, so you can do it if that's what it comes to, but it's probably not ideal. I I think another thing to consider, too, is, you know, the Bruins need to figure out very soon if they have a chance at doing something this year. Not obviously with their current roster. They'll have to improve it, but, you know... If if Tukaras comes back and he lo- and he looks good uh, looks good in poise and and Allmark is some guy that you've committed to for five years anyway, right? You know, <clears throat> and y- you've had enough sample out of Jeremy Swayman to say okay, promising but probably not the next Bar- Marty Brodeur. You know, could could Swayman be somebody that they they package at the deadline? I, I mean that, that that's that's something to consider because if you have Tukaras coming back and 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 you you, you think you might have him for next year too. Or and you and you have all marks sitting there too. I, I, I say no. Something's got to give. Well, you say no, but but again, before the season started, Patrice Bergeron said he is taking a year to year basis. So that means that the Bruins Cup window is a year to year basis because when he goes, the Cup window is closed. I think it's already closed as we speak, unless something crazy happens with the roster because this roster is not good enough to even you know win a round in the playoffs, let alone win a Stanley Cup, unless they make some personnel changes. But I think Jeremy Swayman could be one of those changes. And it's not me sitting here saying I want them to trade Swayman because I think he's been better than Allmark overall. But I'm I'm trying to think what they're gonna do because if you if you bring back Tuca, well you just sign Allmark for five years. I don't think that that's an easy contract to trade necessarily. I mean I don't think Allmark's somebody that people are salivating over, um, unless you're Don Sweeney last summer. Um, so if you're bringing Tuca back now, you get three goalies. You got to do something because one of them's making five million. One of them's not, but he's promising, and you need and you don't have a very, very deep prospect pool. He's one of them. Lysel's another. I don't see them moving on from Lysel, but if 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 Allmark is playing well enough, and Tuca comes back and he looks good, and Jeremy Swayman can help you get an impact player at a deadline, um, something you have to think about. Start start typing, Scott. <laughs> wink, 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 nudge, nudge. Hey, that's too bad, Lena. So you tweak something again. <laughs> right. <laughs> you go to injured reserve. Uh huh. Exactly. That's that's. Yeah. If he if he trips behind the net again, then they're just going to be oh, like, God. oh, he re-injured it. Ooh, yeah. looks bad. Well, speak- Long term IR, man. <laughs> Look, we have five million dollars more now. Speaking of speaking of injured reserves, um, you guys mentioned Marshans up for three games, but that third game is Tampa. They're mm-hmm. they're without Point and Kucherov in that game, so it won't be quite the star power we're used to seeing between those two teams, right? I mean, Marshans no. out, but they they have two of their top guys out too, so we can't use that as, a, as an excuse if if they lose. 
True. Yeah. Kind of unfortunate. Like that's you know, Tampa's always one of the games you circle, and to your point, now you're very clearly not seeing either team's best. Um, but you know, still, still a measuring stick game. Like you still want to see how you stack up in that, and you want to see how your other guys, uh, you know, step up and, and compete against that team. And um, in a way, you know, those injuries to Tampa. You're right. Like, now there's not an excuse. So it's not like you're, you know, the banged-up team without your best player going up against fully loaded Tampa. So, yeah, like, there should be no one sitting back going, like, oh, well, like, we have no chance in this game. Like, what are we supposed to do? Right. Yeah, like, you you should go in thinking, like, hey, okay, we're missing Marchand, but they're not full strength either. Let's see how, let's see how we do against them. Like, let's let's see where we stack up. And I know we wanted to get into this earlier, but we kind of sidestepped the whole Marshawn suspension. Like, whether or not we think that three games was a little bit too much, or like, especially with the comparison to Subban, is kind of where Slubin. you Slubin. <laughs> okay, Brian. Um, you see, I can't a... take credit for that. That was all over no. Twitter. Yeah, that was yeah. <laughs> uh, you see a discrepancy with how they handle it. I know Marshawn's a repeat offender, but Subban has gotten caught slew footing three times in one month this season and he um, ends up correction, getting a fi- correction bridget according to the nhl he's gotten caught dangerously tripping same thing <laughs> um <laughs> can call Marshawn's that too if you wanted to um but so he gets nothing the first time he gets a five thousand dollar fine the second time and he gets a fifteen thousand dollar fine the third time which i think was november 3rd um yeah. and so that sounds yeah right. he, when he got trevor's egress but uh, he he gets you know twenty thousand dollars worth of fines at the end of the day. Marshawn, because he's had he's had a history, even though he hasn't had a suspension in quite some time, um, gets three games. I could have seen one. I I really think three games is too much. And when it comes down to the money, I want to just bring up the twenty thousand for Subban. Marshawn's missing over ninety one thousand dollars because of sitting out three games. Yeah, because he gets docked the the full paychecks um because he got suspended so that's ninety one thousand dollars think of it as a fine in that way um for missing three games yeah look at i think i'm fine with three games to be completely honest i i predicted two because i was looking at um once the league uses the term slew foot now I'll, i'll get into the suban thing in a minute um but once they use the term slew foot there's gonna be a suspension and just last week, about 10 days ago, San Jose's Kevin LeBanc got suspended one game for actually a fairly similar-looking slew to Martians. And so I figured, okay, if that's one game, then Martian's getting at least one. I predicted a second because of his history. Uh, he is... So just to clarify for people who may not like fully understand this, the NHL does have a clause that says, you know, you're a repeat offender if you've been suspended within the last 18 months. But that repeat offender status, that only applies to the amount of money that you get fined. So if Martian had been suspended within the last 18 months, he would have lost even more money. Um, the league can still take into account, and in this case did because they cited it in his suspension video... Um, they can still take into account his history, and they did. So I figured that would be a second game. They ended up going three. 
I'm fine with it. I thought it I thought it was a slew foot. Like I see people arguing that it wasn't, you know, he didn't even get him with the foot. Well Well it wasn't a call in real time. Yeah, but I mean refs miss stuff all the time. Yeah, they so. did. And and they and like Brian said, thought that that would be a call they didn't have the best game you could say the refs uh in that vancouver game there was a lot of things that weren't calls that that you know the um the ekman larson hit on on anton bleed at the end of the game um you know bleed you 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 can't you can't turn that late yeah and now it was it was a penalty i'm just saying like I'm, I'm i'm talking beyond the game i'm talking for your personal health you got to be smarter than that. Like, you can't do it. Um, By the way, and the Bruins have kind of made a bad habit of this this season where they've now had several times where players turned late, and Grizzly even did it once early in that game and got crunched pretty good. It was fine, popped back up. But, it, yeah, I don't know if, like, I don't know what like what is leading to that. I, obviously, everyone wants to be able to spin out of a hit, but, like, the Bruins now, on a few occasions, have spun into more dangerous hits, which, like, man, like, that's just, it's scary. Because you're right, like, Bleed did turn at the last minute. McAvoy last week, yeah. the, the hit that, where he ends up, fortunately, all he ended up with was a gash that required a few stitches, yeah. and there was no concussion or anything. But that was another one where it was like, he saw the hit coming and just turned late. And obviously, you know, he's not turning with the thinking of, like, Oh, if I get him to hit me from behind, I'm getting a penalty. He's turning because he's trying to get out of the hit. But when you time that wrong, it puts you in a really vulnerable position. And yeah, it's a similar thing as what happened with bleed. You should and and Grizzly should like you know you got to learn from experience. We talked about it before the season with Carlo. It's like mm-hmm. you know Grizzly he, he missed half the Cup Finals because he got he got a concussion from Sunquist and and for the similar play. Um, you know, came back, I think, for maybe Game 7, but he wasn't the same. Um, you know, and Carlo... Hey, he scored a goal in Game 7. Yeah, yeah, he did. did. <laughs> that was... Yeah, yeah, all the seats were yellow Made at that point. Made a huge difference. The, the saddest goal in yeah, Browns history. Was, oh, my God. Um, you know, and Carlo, the, the two things he's best at are, you know, turning at the last second and icing the puck. So, um, <laughs> neither of those are great, great, great qualities. Um <laughs> But yeah, uh, no, the Marshan thing. He got suspended three games back in '15 for low bridging uh, Borietsky against the Senators, and it cost him the Winter Classic. Um, oh my God, I was gonna bring this up because the team looked terrible without Marshan in that Winter Classic. That yeah. was awful. I was there. I was freezing my ass off. And what was it like a six to one loss? Oh, it was. It, was it wasn't close. It I was, was nice and warm up in the press. Yeah, box. Scott, you've mentioned this before. <laughs> I couldn't feel my hands. Um, but that that's. The last time I can remember where he's he's out and the Bruins just weren't yeah. the Bruins. Like, I know it was outside but for the Winter Classic, but they just weren't the same. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to um, it's tough to say that there's a player more valuable if the Bruins lost than Patrice Bergeron. But I could think of two now. Well, actually, because he's played center, it probably still is Bergeron. But you lose McAvoy and Marchand, the, the, you know, those are two of the biggest losses you can think of. But... The three games comes to Martian. Clearly, you know it's been a while since he's been in trouble, but it's 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 a play we've seen him do a lot. He, I guess, hasn't learned his lesson, right? So, if 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 the three games helps it, you know, get it get get into his head, you can't do it, and it, it you know prevents him from doing it again later in the season and costing him another suspension going to playoffs or something like that. Then 
hey, three games well well served. Because I, I mean, he he asked it. It wasn't that bad of a slew foot. It was a slew foot. I'm surprised the refs didn't call for a trip. It was pretty obvious. It was right in the middle of the ice. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and the puck was right there. So. Right there. Um, I mean, it was just it was deceptive. I mean, you know, he he, got, he, he knows what he's doing. Um, not the most dangerous play I've ever seen. Some people overreacting. Um, three games. Yeah, it's it's what it is. Um, yeah, uh, do, do we miss anything? Is there anything going into next week? I mean, I think. Look, I think this Bruins team, be, their their chemistry isn't there. The personnel is not where it should be. We don't we don't know what we don't know as far as future personnel. But I will stand by this: if the Bruins can find a way to finagle the cap, little gamesmanship perhaps. And in two months' time, we're talking about a fairly healthy team that's added to Garask, maybe David Krejci, maybe you get something for DeBrusque. Like my hopes maybe up. you get I a JT Miller. Stuff. Maybe you get JT Miller for a DeBrusque package, and you still get the trade deadline. Then this team could be something. But until then, um, we're stuck watching mediocrity for a little bit. How exciting! Yeah. <laughs> How exciting! All right, now I mean, at least yeah, at least we got this like major news dump of a Monday afternoon. <laughs> like, yeah, not bad, not bad. Look, th- this very this seldom happens with the Bruins. We get some drama, right? I mean, Debra- a players asking for a trade. When's the last time that happened with the Bruins? Honestly, that's a good question. Pro- yeah. Probably did Joe, Joe Thornton never asked for a trade? Did he? No, Mm-mm. that was more of Bruins management deciding. Maybe 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 Kolkov, maybe Kolkov asked for a trade from Providence or something. I, so I don't think Dougie <laughs> Hamilton asked for a trade, but I think there uh, were yeah, clear yeah, there's yeah. clear disconnect there. Yeah. So yeah, he was an oddball. Yeah. Yeah, and you know might, he's bounced around. He's bounced around for a few teams for somebody who's so good too. Now, fashion. Now, Bridget. I, I knew can, I, I could can see it in your face. You're like I'm about to cry right now. Now I can express. My disdain for USA hockey. Those sons of bitches. <laughs> Why on earth did they tweet out thinking of the nineteen sixty USA uniform stay with a, with, a, with a cloud above their head a month ago just to uh have a four year old with, with some neon crayons draw their jerseys for them? <laughs> it's the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen. I actually I take that back. Twenty eighteen, when they didn't have NHLers, those uniforms were the worst I've ever seen. These ones are slightly better. Scott and I agree on the whites. The whites are slightly better. But when you're talking about red, white, and blue uniforms, the stars, the stripes of the U.S. flag. No, no, Brian. They're going for a look of a race car. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they were inspired by... That's the by, most American thing that yes, they could think of. These these plain indigo jerseys were inspired <laughs> by, um, by industrial innovation and f- the future of technology and, 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 and race cars. Um which you can clearly tell by the by the plain white and indigo jerseys that they that they that they have it has um, a has a little racing stripe down the middle. I mean, my God, what what it, do they they remind team? You know what USA Hockey reminds me of? They remind me of Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon owns the WWE, and he gets his rocks off by not giving the fans what they want. Okay, that's what USA Hockey does. <laughs> All they want to do is piss people off. Why 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 create some beautiful Red, white, and blue threads, which, by the way, we have in our development program. Their U18 teams wear phenomenal USA jerseys, both blue and white. They have them. so they ha- And they're Nikes. So they have designers. They have people that have the... No, no, no. We're going to go with indigo and uh, and sky blue and baby blue and... Um... We need to get to the bottom of this. Who makes a decision? Like, who comes up with a do- design? Who okays it? We need to find out. We need to question them. 
And I have they blocked you on Twitter yet? No, they're, uh, they're, they're going to have to put a restraining order against me because I'm going to march outside their headquarters. Look. Yeah, don't, is, as soon as we find out who it is, <laughs> keep Brian away from here, here's, here's, here's Here's what I don't get. Here's what I don't get. If the goal isn't to appease your fans and, and represent your, 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 your country with your, with your colors in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a good fashion, if that's not the goal, it's, not. it's, it's, got, it's got to be to make money, right? Yep. Who is going to buy these jerseys? <laughs> good question. If you're trying to make money off the jerseys, design jerseys people want to buy. Nobody will buy these jerseys. Not one person. Not one, Scott, not one person. I'm getting you one for Christmas. On no, not even <laughs> them. Because they'll get, they'll get them gift. Yeah, not even them. It's they'll a, all be given to them. It's the same reason that the New England Patriots don't sell any of their modern jerseys because they suck. They sell the retros, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. It Team Canada, they're suck too. They look like they're about to play laser tag, <laughs> but at least they're not as bad. Like you, and one other thing, Team USA, you pieces of shit. <laughs> Tweet out, you tweet out a little teaser of the uniforms the night before, looking like 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 they're gonna look really nice. Like you see, all oh, couple different reds, couple different blues. Like all right, they they got the memo. They heard us for the last four years bitching to them every single. They checked their DMs from right. Brian DeFelice, <laughs> and 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 they sent out these little teasers, right? And then they debut the jerseys. And they must have just sent out like the same picture of like the inside of the font because the whole jersey is just indigo blue and white on the on the home jerseys. I don't know what there was. I don't know what the teachers were from, but talk uh, talk about uh, getting somebody's hopes up. It was brutal, and I wasn't the only one. Like nobody likes the jerseys. The yeah. white ones, you and I said, for what they are compared to the twenty eighteens, like the I blue. can live with them. They suck, but I can live with them. But I don't know what Team USA Hockey is doing. This was... blue on blue one is trash. Trash. It's disgusting. We, we get two different blue ones. Like... Blue, blue with navy blue. Like, royal it, blue with what? navy blue. With with navy blue pants and navy blue stripe under the USA. Royal blue socks. <laughs> it's just it's just terrible. Did they look... the Those ones, so like the... the it's that, like a color that rush. That lighter shade of blue, it looks like Finland jerseys. Is yeah. what it looks like. Like that, that's like Finland blue. But Finland's colors are those are their colors. Yeah. Like we, t- USA Hockey has just neglected for eight years now that the color red is in say, our flag. They forgot the color they red. They just don't use red. They put one little microscopic strip on the sock or on the sleeve and or under the lettering and, and there's our red quota. I don't get it. There's no contrast in colors. Like you're supposed to go from light to dark and this and that, like to make things pop. No blue mm. on blue. Indigo on 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 navy on sky blue and nothing patriotic at all. Oh, but it says it says um, something about pride on the backside of the collar that we can all see inside the neck. <laughs> at least that's there. Um, anyway, um, I was looking forward to the Olympics, and and now not so much. Well, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. 1980s jersey. The, one of these the blue on blue. Uh, I'll burn that thing faster than, <laughs> than anything else. That's it's 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 so upsetting because I because I I should have known better. I should have known better. Like what? Why would they have gone from the trash that they wore in eighteen, which looked like ski ski uniforms? Why would they go back? Why why would they go from that to what used to be good hockey jerseys? Like of course they're gonna go to some other. Mod- you know, I'm, I'm beside myself. There's two of me in here. I'm beside myself. Um, 
I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to to really, I, I really put don't. a damper on your day. And 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 Team Canada, get your head out of your ass too, because Team Canada has red and white. You could do so much with those colors and in black, and even they, you know, they suck too. But not not as bad as Team USA's jerseys. Just Team Canada, why do you have red jerseys with a black leaf on them? Like you can't see the leaf. Again, contrast. <laughs> like have red on white. Uh, a white leaf on a red jersey and vice versa. Like, it, 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 I don't understand it. I, I don't. Um, I'm done now. <laughs> Are you sure? I, I, got... I, I want. I wish that the person that designed them was in <laughs> no. front of me. I would, I would, I would literally <laughs> knock them out and and like drag. No, I wouldn't. I, I don't condone violence, but I would want to know what they were thinking. I want to know who had a gun to their head and promised them a, you know, a fortune if they could design these jerseys. Witness for them. protection. <laughs> For that person, <laughs> or, or 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 persons or people, like I, it's you know what I mean? it's probably a group of designers that that fashion that fashion designers that just don't they don't even know what like hockey jerseys are supposed to look like. Like I, I, I don't know. It's gotta be Nike. They're Nike jerseys, right? But they so. but, but Nike designs great USA jerseys for their development team. Yeah, they are Nike. And like I understand mm-hmm. that like Olympic international hockey rules, or whatever. You can't have like the specific you know. Logo of the f- whatever. What, okay. you, know what you, you know what you gotta do. What's you, gotta do you, with gotta, you gotta call up Ennis Cantor. He is he is the number one freedom Nike attacker. Yes, Ennis Cantor freedom. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I, but I, yeah, you want to go after Nike? Like there's your there's your teammate. I just he, here's what baffles me. They knew they had to have known that by releasing these jerseys, they were going to piss everybody off. Right? Like, they had to have known that. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, there's no way they designed those, put them on these these, these mannequins and said, oh, my God, like, hockey fans are going to eat these up. Like, good job, boys. Like, good job, guys and girls. Do like, we, there's no way they thought that. Do we think players like them? No. I think players want to look like Mike Ruzioni did back in 1980. I think- See, I don't – because I, I always think that. Like, I always think, like, players would, you know, love classical jerseys. And then, like you see in like the NBA, where essentially the like the jerseys that players wear on a game to game basis are kind of chosen by the players. Like they have like a lot of say in that, and they always choose like the shittiest alternates over teams' classic jerseys. So like maybe I'm just too old and out of touch at this point because I'm like you. Like I want classic. It's the same reason I don't understand why the Bruins keep wearing their third jerseys so much, but it's like. I don't know, like, do players just like something different nowadays? Do they not want classic? Because it, it kind of feels like players choose, you know, these, in my opinion, shitty yeah, but, modern jerseys Yeah, a but lot. you're talking about, like, regular season jerseys. We're talking about, like, Olympic jerseys. That's different. Like, you want a classic look. Like, you, there's a lot of history with Team USA hockey that you yeah. want to be able to respect and be a part of. I, I, also, I also think that there's a difference in, 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 in um, sport cultures I, I think that i think mm-hmm. that in basketball like, they like to use, they like to wear things that are like uh, as light as possible and 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 may, maybe maybe a little bit more trendier but I, I do think in hockey i think it's more i think it's more of a traditional mindset and look I'll, I'll end with this are you sure i'll end with this team usa has not been more disrespected okay since the 1994 junior goodwill games when team usa Entered the third period wearing Ducks jerseys. They just threw the USH jerseys in the trash and wore the Ducks jerseys. It's the most disrespectful sign since then. And I'm a huge fan of the Ducks. Like, great game. That was a great movie. But you just throw the USA jerseys in the trash because it says Hendrix Hockey on them. 
Like, the USA just slapped every, all of us in the face. There's no way Charlie McAvoy or any of those guys, or Austin Matthews are, are, are looking at these jerseys and saying, oh, I can't wait to rock these. these I don't these know, Austin Matthews has a very weird sense of fashion. <sighs> not my Austin Matthews. <laughs> not, not not my jerseys. I, I, I'm, I'm sick to my stomach, and, and, and they should be ashamed of themselves. Um. But yeah, I'm looking forward to the Olympics. <laughs> it should be, should be a good time. Should be some good hockey. What do you as think? Of, as... What do you think of the Devils jersey jerseys? Well, I, look, I, I thought I like the, uh, you know, I like, like, how, like how they <laughs> how they define them for us. And um, did you see that they're actually now selling hat hats? Are they? Yeah. <laughs> Which <laughs> bravo, like good move. Yeah, you, you gotta be able to laugh at yourself a little bit. I mean, honestly, they didn't seem that much different than the, the Blackhawks third jerseys a few years ago, and like nobody gave those shit. Like, yeah. uh I, I don't know. I, honestly, they weren't the worst jerseys I've ever seen. Like, they're not great. They suck. But they're not, like, terrible. Like, it's black and white. Like, it can't be yeah, that bad. Yeah, th- they're fine. Like, like yeah. Um, I've seen worse. I, I mean... The, the, hmm, the, the, when? <laughs> let me think about that for a second. Um, <laughs> Do we just talk about it for ten yeah. minutes? I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> I think that does it for episode 71. We good? I'm good. All right. Talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to me.